down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. Um, Marcus, Chris will be back tomorrow. Uh, everybody loves our Friday night shows, but it's Friday, Junior. It's Thursday night, and I'm taking your calls at 508-996-0500. That's how you can get on the program this evening. You know, we spent the last two hours talking about... Um, we spent the last two hours talking about... Uh, the Ron DeSantis, uh, governor of Florida and presidential hopeful, uh, last point being very, I think, important to emphasize presidential hopeful. Ron DeSantis um, trafficked uh, 50 uh, Venezuelan migrants from 50 Venezuelan migrants from the from Florida. Well, from Texas, I guess they were supposed to go to Florida from Texas to Edgartown, uh, Martha's Vineyard, just 50 or so miles off of our shoreline here in New Bedford. Now, again, I've reached out to Mayor Mitchell's office. I haven't heard back. I have heard from a very credible source that Mayor Mitchell has spoken with public officials in Martha's Vineyard. Um, I don't know if there is going to be a city response. Uh, I guess we'll wait to hear um, on the city response for that. But um, Mayor... um, We'll wait to see if Mayor Mayor Mitchell has typically been welcoming in situations like these. Uh, so we'll see. Um, you know, there is there's a lot of things to consider. I can't imagine this is the last plane uh, that's going to fly here. I mean, again, Ron DeSantis uh, spent or convinced the Florida legislature to, to uh, earmark $12 million for this operation. Not sure exactly how much this specific one costs, but there's going to be or if there's going to be more. Um Seems like a waste of money anyway. Everybody's talking about the taxpayer dollars. Oh, we spend taxpayer dollars on this. Like everybody's complaining about, oh, we're spending taxpayer dollars on, on this and that and whatever. But not they're not like to, to help people who are in need, but um, to play fun political games with them or, you know, game political games that you think are fun, uh, spending that kind of money, which is which that money, by the way, was earmarked for COVID relief uh, that he spent f- for this this political stunt. No one seems to care about that. I mean, the, the 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 what does it cost thing is typically that doesn't actually mean anything to a lot of people uh, beyond just talking about things you don't like because people are more than willing to uh, look the other way at uh, extravagant expenditures that on things that they do like, even though it's a waste of money, like chartering two flights to Martha's Vineyard um, for people and hiring a videographer. That's the thing. Like if, if I mean, there's a, obviously this is an obvious political stunt on its face. 
right? And I mean, if you don't, if you find it endearing, I, I don't know why. It's an obvious political stunt on its face, but it's made more obvious than it already is by the fact that he hired a videographer to take a to 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 record it, and the fact that he was just up here raising money. Probably doesn't like Massachusetts or the islands, right? But he but he wants to come up here and raise money to run for president. Crazy. But um, 508-996-0500. I know the migrants were housed overnight in uh, St. Andrew's uh, Episcopal Church in Edgartown. Um, And, you know, there are several uh, organizations that are, uh, I think, that have been diverted again. I talked to I talked with someone with Congressman Keating earlier today, and they were saying that you know as soon as they realized that this had happened, you know um, the congressman had worked with Senator Julian Sear, who's the state senator for the Cape and Islands, most of the Cape and Islands, and and they had um, they had uh, already worked on diverting uh, DPH uh, Department of Public Health sources to there. The department, the Dukes County Department of Emergency Management, had opened up those shelters. Uh, um, basically, uh, immediately, I know Mary Lou Sutters, who's the uh, secretary of uh, the Department of Public Health. Uh, she went there herself. Obviously, Dylan Fernandes has been very vocal on it, gotten some national attention on it. So has Senator Sear. I've reached out to Senator Sear's office, Keating's office, working on times to get them uh, here uh, to be in front of you. Um, and, uh, well, you know, obviously you'll be here when that happens. 508-996-0500. I mean, you did hear from Helena Silva hughes She said she hasn't heard anything, and they would be the point people uh, if there was any sort of developments about sending any of the migrants here to uh, New Bedford. But 508-996-0500 is how you can join uh, me tonight. And let's go back to the phones. Good evening. You're live. Hey, Marcus. Uh, great point about the hypocrisy of uh, DeSantis not, uh, not targeting Nantucket. It, it, it kind of reminds me of something Buddy Santos uh, might have done down in Providence. You show up in uh, Nantucket and you say, we'd hate to see your beautiful community inundated with illegal immigrants or migrants. Please show up to my fundraiser. <laughs> right? Uh, I believe I mean, it. I believe well, it. Well, I mean, you did, it is a great hypocrisy. I think what he was yeah. doing, what he was doing, was trying to show off the, the hypocrisy of of the Northeast of New England and particularly Boston. And, and this is the point. So, why do you think that works? And my theory is is that there's a whole bunch of people, particularly south of the Mason Dixon line, and, and also out in the in the flyover country that's a newer part of the country. Mm-hmm. They look at Massachusetts, particularly Boston, the universities, mm-hmm. as this kind of center of sanctimony. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, no, really. I, no, I know they do. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've witnessed it. I used to work in Louisiana, and I, I mean, I was accused of being the biggest hypocrite of all. Yeah. And it's, um, it's real. So it's there's a there's a there's an appeal to targeting. Um, Massachusetts uh, intellectuals, sure, and and, it, and and I think it it, it has a lot of um, 
it gets a lot of mileage in, in, in a lot of parts of the country. Oh, of course it does. Yeah, you know, I was in. I remember being in West Virginia a few times, and some people that lived there in West Virginia had learned I was from Massachusetts. Well, because I told them, and they didn't res- like. Some of the responses were less than kind. <laughs> you know, yeah. were less than kind to the uh, the, the fact that I was I, I was from there. Yeah, I, I foolishly used to introduce myself as being from Boston, yeah. which I never was. I lived out in the suburbs. I grew up in the suburbs. My my grandfather was from Fall River, but sure. That but that that was like a trigger. If I had said New Bedford, and and then what's New Bedford like? I guess well, no, it's a cool community. It's mostly Portuguese. Yeah. Right, I would have, I would have fit in them, no problem. But saying Boston is a trigger, and I try to trace it back. I try to make sense of it because it was really kind of unfair. Uh, and one of the things I, I think I trace it back to, and you might think this is far fetched, but I, I think this resonated with a lot of people: the story of Bill Russell and how he was treated. As a, as, and the terrible oh, things that happened. He was treated horribly. I mean, his house in Reading was vandalized, yeah, you know, yeah. and all that. Yeah, it was and pretty he, bad. And he, never, and he never forgave the city for it. He didn't, no. And, and even though that was just a handful of punks that yeah. vandalized his he didn't, house. He didn't even show up to his own number retire, uh, yeah, retirement yeah. ceremony. Yeah, in 72. And that, 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 that got a lot of publicity. And you remember the Celtics when, during the Bird years and the success they had? Um there was a writer, I can't think of his name, Big Shot, New York uh, uh, sports reporter, writer, who basically accused the Celtics of being a racist organization. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, but that but that carried, like, that that that, that carried some momentum. It, it gained some um, traction because it was like, oh, well, well, that explains it. How, how else could he explain all the success, right? Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Well, it's good. You know, Larry Bird and McHale were, were white, uh, and Dennis... Um, Danny Ainge no, no, was Dennis white. Wasn't, but yeah, no. De- De- no, Dennis, no, no, I meant to say Danny Ainge. Yeah, Dennis Johnson was very <laughs> those much guys, black. Those guys were so good in 86. Uh, yeah. yeah. Jerry, some people Jerry, say the best Jerry, team. Jerry Sisting. Yeah, yeah some as people K- say the best team K- of all time. The, the, uh, the African-American head coach used to call him Jerry Sisting. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, no, those, those guys are good, but it was like, well, all right, those we can't like these guys too much. It's got to be good. And you know who else did it? It was uh, Clarence Thomas and his book. Um, you know, who was educated at Holy Cross Yeah. Uh, before he went to Yale. Right. A really good book, by the way, if you ever read his first book. Um, he claimed, and this is during the busing crisis in the 70s, he claimed that Boston was the most racist place he'd ever seen. Um, you know, so... Clarence Thomas, yeah. You know, he a, lot of athletes, a lot of athletes say that, too. A lot of modern-day athletes say that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of a... Um, it's kind of a narrative, if you will, mm-hmm. and it. But it goes back to some, you know, you know, some some real and and perceived incidents. Well, Chris uh, was it, talking about the little... Chris was talking about the quarterback in Charlestown, the black quarterback in Charlestown that got shot right in the field in the seventies. You know, and there was obviously the busing crisis uh, that happened. Well, you know, one of our senators ran on a anti-busing platform uh his first time in congress actually so i mean Who's there's that? ed markey oh he was anti-busing he ran yeah, yeah. He, he, he ran would have been I'm, i don't know why he cared about it up in uh up in uh, Methuen or where he's from he's from malden malden rather yeah um well you know billy bulger uh, was against uh 
busing and heat when he became the most powerful person in the state. But yeah, um, I mean that was a that was a very tough uh, time, and it's not easy to to, to pick sides uh, on on that whole thing about where you're uh, you know you're, you're you know your your um, nine year old daughter has to get bussed instead of walking to school. I mean that that was a very disruptive thing that uh, Judge Garrity, who lived out in Wellesley, uh, ruled on. So, but I mean all that, all those things uh, highlight Boston as being at least hypocritical, if if if, if not smug and sanctimonious. No, I mean I, I think that a lot of that's true in a lot of certain respects. That that you know a lot of there are a lot of definitely in this, especially in the highly educated like you know elite uh class of people there's definitely some a lot of hypocrisy and smugness in you know in new york city and in boston and all of that but i think per- but- even if it, even if it's not true there's a perception that it exists like, yeah there's, a, there's definitely the a perception highest, that exists educa- educated population you know in terms of uh, by far average grade achieved yeah you know, by far of the, uh, the 50 states sure you yeah, know by 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 far um, they, uh, but it, we, a lot of people here are really trans, a lot of our, honestly, a lot of our even elected leaders and all of that are transplants from these universities. Like Elizabeth Warren's from Oklahoma, but she came to teach at Harvard, right? Uh, Mitt Romney, same thing, Harvard grad, then worked at Bain Capital, but it's from Utah and, and, and Michigan, Michigan. right? Yeah. So there's a lot, even a lot. And, and Mexico, actually. And me, yeah, Mexico. Yeah. yeah. George, George Romney was born in Mexico because right. his dad moved there because his dad believes so much in polygamy. Do you, do you remember? Here's just a, a, a bizarre aside. But do you remember the controversy? Because it was a, it seems to me he was a cop uh, from one of the surrounding communities of Boston. He wasn't a Boston cop. He was like, you know, like Medford or, or, or Lynn or somewhere, Revere. I, I I don't remember. And he was yelling out at a, you know, he had a couple of too much to drink. He's at a Fenway game, and he was yelling out at one of the players on the other team. And I, and honest to God, I can't remember if the expression was Monday or Tuesday. And somehow there was a comedian that suggested that that was a code word amongst Boston racists. <laughs> do, you remember, do you remember this at all? No. no. How long ago was this? I actually, I actually, got a, I, actually uh, I had uh, a black woman that I worked with, you know, intimately down in, down south, asked me, she goes, I, I heard this. Is this true that white people refer to blacks as, I think it was Mondays. And I said, I've never oh, heard this nobody in likes, my life. Because everybody hates Mondays. Oh no! I don't. It, it, it turned out that it, the whole genesis. I of get it, it. Was a was a was a, a comedian, a black comedian. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with the joke now. Yeah, because they said because everybody hates Mondays. Yeah, I'm. I'm oh, well, okay, but, yeah. but nobody. But yeah, but yeah, but nobody else was familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Except that it, it got some traction, like, and and I had to suffer the consequences. <laughs> I never even heard of such a thing. But oh, right. you're from Boston, and and that's that's how you refer to black. I'm like, yeah, right. I, I tell you, if that was true, I, honest to God, I've never heard it in my life. Yeah. And, uh, and so you know, people get weird. There's the uh, the fact that uh, Massachusetts was the, the home of the abolitionists, and you know, mm-hmm. and and so uh, <clears throat> anti-slavery in the big, you know early on 
um, there's that resentment from the South. And well, the, I mean, I just was talking what, about that in High What happened in High in the '60s when they tried to embarrass JFK or or try to make him look foolish because they had sent um, they had sent um, they they told a, a lot of black families in the South they'd handed out fake literature just like they did now um, to say, hey, go to uh, go up to High or go up to Cape Cod. Bobby Kennedy is personally guaranteed you a job and housing and all of that and the people in hyannis responded overwhelmingly uh positively just like they did in the vineyard it's, it's not a new trick what oh oh, oh well how, what, how how many people showed up and what did they say yeah bob it's true bobby will pay for you except then nobody found bobby no i mean it, it's it's an interesting story i'm not sure how many people uh bought into it uh it's it's kind of different but it's a similar ploy yeah i agree Hey, listen, I got to take this break, right, but thanks, I appreciate Michael. calling in. Yeah, have, have a good one. So uh, I'm going to take this break. I'm still taking your calls at 508 996 0500. Stay tuned. 1420 WBS. 508 996 0500. Saying in the program, we've been talking about, you know, I had Helena Hughes from the Immigrants Assistance Center on at the top of the show, but we've been talking about um, the. The, the political stunt by Florida Governor um, and presidential hopeful Ron DeSantis uh, to send two, two planes of, of migrants uh, from Venezuela, uh, from Texas, chartered the flights from Texas to Martha's Vineyard, Edgartown uh, specifically, and Martha's Vineyard. And they had, um, I'm pretty sure Obama's house is in Edgartown. I don't know how much that has to do with it. But... Um, the, uh, you know, it's funny because, again, I, I hear a lot of posturing by conservatives saying, oh, well, they don't like it so much now, do they, right? Oh, now they don't want them. Like, no one's actually said that. Like, that response that you think you heard has been conjured up in your head to try to square the circle of the fact that there are actually people in this country specifically here in Massachusetts that don't think people are bad just because they immigrated here maybe through um through a port of entry or you know through an opening on the border or maybe overstayed their work visa right their 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 personhood there are people in this country that believe and I'm one of them I hope you're one of them too that believe that you're immigration status isn't a reflection on your morality uh, or your personhood right that you don't you know just because you might not have the same residential status as i do doesn't mean i believe that you are less than and that it's funny uh or um justifiable to traffic people to traffic you or herd you like cattle uh to another state and drop you there without giving anybody else notice on handing you fake literature, fake pamphlets and literature that they made saying that they were from Massachusetts. Right. I mean, that's the thing is everybody's like, Oh, the liberals, you don't like it now, but no, that's not true. I mean, the, again, the response from the community has been overwhelmingly positive and it's the same thing in the sixties when segregationalists sent uh, gave black families fake literature to say, oh, you've got a job, you've got a future here, and Bobby Kennedy has personally guaranteed you a job and all of that, and they sent them here, and they're like, oh, see how they like it then. Again, the response was you felt bad for the people that were tricked, 
right? But it wasn't like, oh my God, I don't want these people here, right? Because again, there's just because you have certain, you know, characteristics such as like your country of origin or your immigration status doesn't mean you're a bad person or that you want free stuff. It, it, it kind of, it's kind of amazing to me because they know how difficult it is. Like you have to know how difficult it is to even get to the southern border of the first place from Venezuela if you're a person of no means. If they're supposedly a person that just, you know, is they want uh, free stuff, it seems like a lot of effort to go through, to go through in a very dangerous, intrepid, uh, a very dangerous, intrepid up through all the way through Central America, through the desert, uh, with not just the natural hazards, but the human hazards, such as the cartel, right? Um, to, to make that intrepid, you have to be in a pretty, I think, desperate situation. And a lot of countries in Central America and in South America are in desperate situations. And a lot of the reasoning, a lot of the, the causes of those de- desperate situations can be directly traced to United States foreign policy. Our intervention in the Latin American countries basically goes all the way back to the early 1800s when James Monroe issued the Monroe Doctrine. You know, he had basically said, I think he was the fifth president. I think he was the fifth president, James Monroe. Someone can correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure he was the fifth president. I think I could name every president in order. I've always used to be able to do that. So I'm pretty sure when I say he's the fifth president, I'm pretty sure on that. But, you know, he basically said that, uh, you know, the U.S. has uh, a a interest in maintaining a sphere of influence in Latin America and that any, you know, uh, intervention by European countries or any sort of occupation or exploration by European countries in Latin American countries should be seen as an act of hostility. But our interventions in Latin America have been going on for a couple hundred years. Um, You know, the more modern stuff for the last 30 years. I mean, there's a direct link between, you know, the, the, the sort of the meddling that we've done in these countries and the degree in which we've done it and the rise in immigration, um, you know, because in El Salvador, right, in in Nicaragua, you know, we all know about the Iran-Contra uh, controversy where we basically funneled money. Um, you know, we funneled money uh, through Iran. Uh, we sold weapons to Iran and funneled money to Contras. It's a Reagan administration. And then Reagan blamed it on his Alzheimer's and said he didn't remember it. Um, uh, that's all our fault. So we created the conditions in which they are fleeing. Uh, it's directly our fault. Even Venezuela, you know, after U.S. had a pretty good relationship with Venezuela up until Hugo Chavez got elected in, in 2002. Hugo Chavez is the you know leftist uh, socialist leader. He he died of a heart attack while he was in office, and his you know his sec you know his his right hand guy Nicolas Maduro took over. And I'm not going to defend Hugo Chavez. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of mismanagement that led to Venezuela's, um, a lot of Venezuela's problems, but one of the, one of the primary issues in their, the conditions in Venezuela, one of the primary issues in Venezuela 
is the fact that they're sank they're they're basically leveraged to the hilt in sanctions. The, the you know the the sanction there's there is a sanction industrial complex in the United States that like you know we they started sanctioning people and then they have creative new ways to sanction people through the uh, what's it called OFAC. Uh, OFAC, I believe, is the official office in the federal government to to sanction people, and so they've been leveraged the hilt with sanctions. And because of most of their revenue to purchase food and all that came from uh, came from oil expert, uh, exports and sales, uh, they weren't able to bring capital back to the United States. It's a big reason why they're having trouble with food purchases and all of that. You know, so the United States not only sanctions countries to try to prevent them from accessing the global market, and because eighty-eight, I think like eighty-eight percent of all financial transactions are done with the American dollar or through America, they're able to do that. They're like basically the economic fulcrum of the world. Um, when a country's sanctioned, it, it's really economically devastating for them. Um, and they not only do sanctions now; they do secondary sanctions, where they sanction other countries for just doing business with the sanctioned country. 508-996-0500 is heading in the program. Let's go to the phones. Oh, uh, okay. Looks like the call dropped, but if you want to call back, you can. Um, I know there's been calls coming out throughout the uh, throughout the last couple hours. A lot of people want to talk about these this topic, but it's immoral. Uh, it's absolutely immoral for us to say for us over the last uh, cu- couple hundred, but you know, let's say more recent, recently, half century. I mean, we can go back further. Uh, you know, our um, we can go back further, but save in the last half century to be directly responsible for a lot of the conditions that people in these countries are facing, and then for them to then you know, if they survive the dangerous intrepid from their Central American country up through Mexico to get here to then say you're illegal. You know, I'm reading this story from Lisa Kaczynski in Politico about, um, you know, about some of the responses from people, uh, you know, in Thursday morning, Thursday morning, there was uh, this morning, there were, um, you know, the streets around the parish where the migrants were. They were, uh, you know, there were residents in town dropping food deliveries, garbage bags of blankets and clothing. There were car, uh, but but cars, there were cars driving past the the um, streets. One said, "You've come to the right place," uh, which I don't know what that means. That could be interpreted as antagonistic or welcoming. You've come to the right place. But another person said, send them to the Obamas. This is America. You're illegal, right? To call a person, a human being illegal, I think is, you know, particularly depraved. But, um, like, what compels you to do that? I mean, you live in Edgartown, but you're blaming a lot of your problems on people, again, trying to flee desperate situations. It's it's insane to say that these people who've endured, you know, uh who've endured what they've endured, you know, in their own countries as a direct result of our, 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 or our foreign policies. And then to bring them for them to make the dangerous intrepid here and risk their lives for us to say, Oh, well, you're illegal. You need to go back, right? You need to go back. You need to go home is, is morally depraved. It's depraved. And, you know, I'm glad that 
at least our response has been positive. The the response here has been has been positive. It's inhumane for and, and I, I would I would again I, you know I talked about some people are saying oh well uh, you know we're DeSantis saying we're not a sanctuary state. Texas saying we're overwhelmed. You know it was funny. I was talking to Tom Hodgson, and he said I remember when he was here. Tom Hodgson, who's a you know been a vocal opponent of Biden's immigration policies, but I remember when he uh, he had said he went to testify before a committee on immigration. One of the Congress members of Congress had said, "Well, you know these town these cities on the border, like El Paso, for example, right, uh, are some of the safest communities in the in the country." So you just proved my point that every town's a border town, right? Um, but uh, I, I would take more. Se- so I don't believe that this is like in, in you, the amount of immigrants you have doesn't correlate with the like a decline in safety. It never has. It never will. Sanctuary cities are statistically a lot more safer than uh, than non-sanctuary cities. Um, sanctuary states like Massachusetts are among the, you know, Massachusetts is always in the bottom 10 or 15 in terms of crime rates. It's Massachusetts is consistently one of the safest states with the some of the highest quality of living in the country. And I would take, you know, their, their, um, we're full or we can't take care of our own citizens rhetoric more seriously. If Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott were ever interested in taking care of their own citizens. I mean, Texas, um, even in some of the Southern states, we just learned that Mississippi, uh, diverted $5 million of public welfare funds, $5 million of public welfare funds to to <laughs> to uh, build a new tennis court for uh, Southern Mississippi or University, which is uh, at the request of Brett Favre, and Brett Favre's daughter goes to that school. So $5 million of public funds were given for, so De- Brett Favre's daughter could, have, daughter could have a nice tennis court. Tennis court. You know, Texas is always like dead last in like Medicaid coverage. Uh, I believe they're, uh, I believe they're among the, the lowest in, in uh, infant mortality, um, the highest in death penalty, which uh, in, uh, the highest death penalty authorizations, which always disproportionately impacts uh, people of less means. Um, they um, even even in situations in which, you know, people they've we know that they've executed innocent people that don't actually get a fair trial. They um, have the lowest graduation rate, if not one of the lowest graduation rates. And uh, some of the highest poverty rates. Texas's poverty rate is uh, well, uh, pretty sure, well above the national average. Um, at least a few percentage points above the national average. So, uh, and they're dead last in Medicaid coverage. And they've privatized their electrical grid so that people like Jerry Jones could make money, right? And they, when their their electric, when their electrical grid goes out. People like Jerry Jones do make money because they use the the the, the economic principles of supply and demand on vital uh, services like energy um, to charge people, uh, leverage them to the hilt in in uh, in in, co- in in energy costs, um, and uh, so I would take it more seriously that they're actually concerned about caring for their own people and they can't because all these quote-unquote illegals are here if they ever gave a damn about their own people in the first place. I think it's pretty clear that they don't, right? 
I mean, the numbers show it's if you're if you're uh, if you're a poor person in Texas, Texas is one of the worst places you can be if you're a poor person in Texas. And, you know, like, oh, well, I'm, people are moving to Texas. People of means are moving to Texas. Right. People who have means are moving to Texas. Yeah. If you've got some money in your pocket, that's fine. Like I could move to Texas and I'm sure that'd be, you know, the weather's okay. It's, it's, it's hot, but I'm sure it'd be fun. I've had fun. I've been to Texas. I've had a lot of fun in Texas, but the fact of the matter is those States, those Southern States, the ones that don't like, that don't like that say they, you know, again, that say they, they, that, that they, they say that, Oh, we can't take our own uh, care of our own people because of immigrants. They they never take care. They've never taken care of their own people to begin with. They don't actually believe in any of that. Ron DeSantis doesn't believe in any of that. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get in the program. I'm gonna take a break. Fourteen twenty WBS South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. You know I I've mentioned this um, briefly. Uh, you know they. There is like a, there is, there is a, uh, legal arguments to, I mean, there are, there are legal arguments to be made that what Ron DeSantis did violated the law, uh, for a few reasons. I mean, there's the human trafficking consideration that might violate a state law. Uh, I'm not sure if it violates a federal law. I know U.S. Uh, Attorney Rachel Rollins had 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 said that they're looking into whether or not this violated federal uh, federal law. They're getting advisement from the Department of Justice. What I had heard from uh, Andrea Campbell uh, when I was heard her speak on this today, uh, former executive office, uh, the former secretary of the uh, Office of Public Safety in, in the in the state and was a sheriff too. Uh, I forget which county. But she had, she had said that uh, federal, federal trafficking laws, human trafficking laws are typically, I think specifically uh, defined as laws um, for the you know trafficking for the purpose of using the individuals for labor, you know whether that be manual labor or um, you know or sex trafficking, something you know a bit more uh, horrifying um, than even what Ron DeSantis did, which was still horrifying. But uh, there's also a legal argument that he might have frustrated because uh, there are legal ways to migrate to move people from here to boston he didn't actually move he told them they were going to boston there's apparently a woman when they were greeted in san San antonio named perla there was a woman in san antonio named perla quote-unquote perla that was handing out uh literature um and i I know ted nisi has a copy of that literature it's like it has that massachusetts welcomes you sign with the uh with the chickadee on it and it's made explicitly to look like a uh, literature from directly from Massachusetts saying come here and they thought they were going to Boston which would have been a you know a much easier place you know when I was talking to someone with Keating staff what they were telling me too is you know the vineyards responding well to this but the problem is with the vineyard is after Labor Day everything works on skeleton staff including like healthcare facilities and things like that they're they you know they, they don't have they have a bare bones operation um, so you know to do this, you know, if he's actually saying like, oh, it's a, you know, let's send him to a liberal state where they can take care of him, he wouldn't have sent them to the vineyard. Again, it's just trying to, it's just basically a gotcha. But there's an argument, you know, that he violated the law by frustrating the legal process of the federal government's, you know, authority on immigration. Because the federal government 
more or less has absolutely authority on immigration. A lot of people would say we've got to enforce the laws and all that. We don't actually do that unless there's a specific agreement with the federal government. You know, there's a lot of conversation about that with Sheriff Hodgson and his ICE contracts, right, where he had his ICE contract with um, the federal government to enforce certain uh, immigration laws, particularly around detention, uh, you know, the detention of people awaiting immigration proceedings. So DeSantis, in doing that, might have actually violated... And even Abbott might have violated uh, federal law by doing that. I doubt they care, and I doubt there's, there'd be any specific consequences. Maybe they could get a, a higher court to enjoin them, uh, basically, from uh, to maybe file an injuncture to stop them from trafficking human beings for uh, political points. Um, but there is a actually legitimate discussion on wh- whether or not what they did was was uh, was a violation of um of, of federal law from the law and, from the law and order people so 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program um i'm going to take a break and we'll be back to close out the hour this is south coast night with marcus 1420 marcus closing out but taking your calls at 508-996-0500 good evening good evening I was wondering if you could explain the, um, you know, I know you've been talking about the immigration situation, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear you. I mean, I didn't get to listen the whole night, but I didn't hear you lay out the, you know, the progress this administration and specifically the border czar has made, you know, and the and no, the, they they haven't done they haven't they haven't done enough, if anything at all. For sure, I yeah, agree. But what's the specific plan that they've laid out for the government? No, I don't think they've been. I don't think they've been good on. I, I don't think they've been good on this uh, at all. So I think it's a good opportunity for the uh, for you know governors and states to lead uh, on this issue. You know, while well, the federal government hasn't government, figured that out. But shouldn't there be a you know a, a plan laid out so that the yes. governors know what they're supposed to do, and well, if they're neglecting to do that. Are you not calling them morally corrupt for having a situation that governors at the border, it's not sustainable for people to live cramped like that. That's inhumane to have millions all in one spot. So you've got a big one with open space. I mean, people pay a lot of money to go to the vineyard and Nantucket and, and private islands. And at this time of year, more people head to Florida and less people had, to, you know, and more people had out of the islands. So to me, it would be less cramped over there. Well, no, the, the vineyard, I, I mean, I mean, if he actually, if he actually cared about the spacing and all that, he would have sent him to Boston because the vineyard doesn't actually have the capacity no, for that. Boston, do you understand? Do you even have any idea what it costs to live in Boston? No, I know what it costs to live in Boston. It, yeah, I know. I know what it costs to live yeah. in Boston, what it costs to live in vineyard. Both are expensive.